Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, each Monday we take a little bit of a trip down memory lane uh, with an Oilers alumni. And uh, today we are pleased to be joined on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by the man who, uh, when he was at Wisconsin, truly was the big man on campus. It wasn't Heisman Trophy winner Ron Dane in 1999. It was Brad Winchester when he went to Wisconsin in 1999. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing well. Wow, that quite quite the intro there to in comparison to Ron Dane. I don't know about that, but <laughs> it, I mean, it's Wisconsin every year. You know, I'm a, as you know, it's Stoffer here. I'm a huge NCAA football fan, and every year uh, Playboy used to have like their top ten party schools in the U.S. and Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin used to win every year. Uh, did they earn that? I believe now Arizona State is pushing them. You played four years at Wisconsin for the Badgers. Uh, is that a well-earned reputation for being a great place to play and party? It, it is It is a well-earned reputation, yes. It, it, checks the, it checks all the boxes in terms of social, academics, and uh, athletics. So, yeah, fortunate to, uh, to have gone to Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, uh, I spent uh, seven years at the University of Alberta. Most people that spend that much time there are called doctor. Uh, I was called fail. <laughs> <laughs> Fail art student. Uh, but for, for hey, many, do you have any letters after your name? Uh, no, just W's for withdrawals from all the courses that I took. But uh, I, I actually have, I, I, we used to be on a 9 scale. That's how we got graded, not on a 4.0 scale. And uh, one year I had to beg a prof to bump a, a grade up from a 4 to a 5. Otherwise, I was on the dean's vacation list. <laughs> and, and trust me, it was well earned as well. Uh all right, so gotcha. for, for, for our, and we'll get back to the Wisconsin stuff in a second. For our listeners, one of their memorable moments for you happened during the course of the 2006 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Brad, every guy's got to have his role. And tell us the story. Is it true that Craig McTavish instructed you to take care of the octopus in Detroit? That is a true story. Yeah, it was... Um you know, just a little bit of background on us going up against Detroit, you know, as the one seed and we were the A seed and kind of the underlying theme. I mean, we had, we were considered the underdogs, but had, uh, you know, had so much horsepower in that room. And, you know, as a young kid, I was just trying to, you know, work my tail off and practice and do all the right things. We had such a great uh, group of veterans. And um, the one day, I think game two was on a, uh, it was an afternoon game, so there was no morning skate. No morning skate. Um, you know, I walked into the rink, and unbeknownst to me, McTavish had talked to both uh, Ryan Smith and and Horkoff the night before, the day before. On uh, hey, what do you think of of Brad playing on your line? And we could do this and this to to kind of balance things out. And they were all for it. Um, so I walked into the rink and kind of looked for my my number on you know in the usual spot on the third or fourth line and wasn't there and said oh i'm not I'm not playing on and then i looked again and it was on the first line 
So I said, oh, my gosh, you know, and you kind of have that moment where you're, where you're taking it all in. And I think um, McTavish, you know, smartly kind of didn't, didn't want me to find out maybe the day before, depending if I slept or whatnot. So, you know, I had, I had some kind of nervous energy and like any kid would and um, came back in after warm-ups. And I was in, I was in the, the trainer's room next to Kenny Lowe and just kind of talking and, you know, uh, McTavish came in and said, Hey, Winnie, <clears throat> you know, when, um, when they throw the octopus on the ice and, and they're going to throw an octopus, uh, you guys are starting. I kind of want to wait, uh, wait for the guy to come scoop it. And right before he's about to grab it, why don't you grab it and bring it back to our bench? All right, go get him. And, uh, <laughs> turned to Kenny and I said, "Is he is he serious?" And uh, sure enough, our you know our bench got a got a kick out of it, and and uh, you know I think it was a a coaching move that was not only for me but maybe for the for the rest of the guys too, just to just to keep playing that underdog role and have fun with it. Uh, for the record, Brad, there were two Edmonton media guys who picked you guys to beat Detroit, uh, Robin Brownlee and myself. I was doing the show. There with you Spe- go. Yeah, I was doing the show with Specter at the time. He said Detroit was going to win the series in three, and I've only reminded Mark and Mike Babcock of the, and Mike Babcock and Ken Holland of that about six thousand and our listeners nine thousand four hundred thirty three times over the years. So you spent a couple seasons here in Edmonton. Obviously, it was great to be part of that playoff run. Uh, you know, it was your first experience in the NHL. Is there really any way you could kind of put into words just what an incredible? I mean, you guys had a lot better paper once you, or a team on paper, and once you got uh, you know Roly in between the pipes, that helped out. But what was that you know journey like for your team back in oh five oh six? Yeah, it was, you know, I, I, I do think it's a really good story on just to your point. Um, you know, you throw the seeds out, out of the window once you go into playoffs. And, uh, you know, you talk about chemistry and, and the feel of the room. And we had some we had some really high-profile guys, you know, Pronger obviously on the back end, Pekka. But we had this combination, I think, of veteran, solid veteran guys, you know, the Moros, uh, Jason Smith, Pisani, um, Jarrett Stoll was a emerging leader along with, you know, Rafi Torres, um, Matt Green, and then the, the deadline deals, getting Samson off, uh, Hemsky's chemistry with him was great. Uh, Spacek was a huge pickup at the deadline. Uh, Dickie Tarnstrom kind of flew under the radar. So you had all these names, um, you know, and you, then you had the LaRocks and the Harveys and just all these guys that kind of came together um, with with the guys that, you, you know, you know the Ryan Smiths, you know the Sean Horkoffs. It just was this collection of just really, really good guys. And then, you know, Dwayne Rollison just started to play lights out. And it, it was it was fun. It was this kind of calm energy in the room. Uh, you know, playing that underdog role, I think I think helped. But yeah, the confidence uh, in, in the room was just really high, and it was it was fun as a young guy to be a part of that. We're talking to former owner Brad Winchester, Bob Stoffer with you on orders now. Brad, the next year, what I remember, and you were tight with, uh, uh, you know, Stoll and Torres and Joffrey Lupul. And this will be the last time I ever compare you and Joffrey Lupul to Kevin Lowe and Mark Messier. But you guys were doing a two-on-two compete drill in the corner. 
and you got all of Lupo. Like, you just crushed him. And he got, I don't know if you remember this, and he got up and he two-handed you right across the wrist. And I remember somebody goes, I haven't seen that since Messier and Lowe used to go at it. But that just shows you, you know what, I know they're your brothers and all that, but at times you got to kind of give it to each other when you're in those compete drills, don't you? <laughs> you do. I don't I don't remember that story. But, yeah, we had, um, you know, Joffrey was, uh, you know, a, a good friend of mine on the team. And we, we did have kind of a, a, a cool young core nucleus uh, back then. Play hard, play hard in practice always, yeah. Yeah, and, and live hard as well, which is all part of, you know, becoming a player. Now, let me ask you this. Did you have to – You, I mean, you played in the league for a number of years after you left Edmonton, Dallas. We'd see you down there, St. Louis, for three seasons. Did you have to kind of reinvent yourself? Because I think the hope was, you, you know, you'd be a, a power forward, but you had to take on a little bit of more of a fighting role as your career went on. Is that just a byproduct to, to do what was necessary to stay in the NHL? Yeah, uh, most certainly. I mean, I, I think um, you know, as a as a as a power forward, depending on the minutes you're getting or or the line that you're on, it's just how can I bring and create value. And some nights, you know, in terms of the fighting, if depending on you know if you're the home or the way team and who they have in the lineup, uh, some some nights you're going to have to fly that flag. And if if one of your more skill guys gets gets run or you know you feel like the game is turning in a way that you don't think is beneficial for your team you're going to step up and do something about it so um you know for me i i i did i did play that role you know at times and um was was willing to 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 your point do whatever um it took to to bring value all right, uh, Wisconsin. We started there. We're going to end there. The Oilers have Dylan Holloway there right now. I, I, don't, I didn't see you listed as a coach, so my apologies if you're still involved directly with the program. Uh, but you were on the staff a couple of years ago. Can you maybe educate our listeners on what Tony Granato has going? And uh, I'm sure you've kept an eye on Holloway as well. Yeah, so every NCAA team um, gets a volunteer coach. So yep. that's been my role, and still, I'm in that role for the last. I've uh, been doing that now for the last few years, and so yeah, I, I've I've seen Dylan's you know growth even in a in a short amount of time since he's been at Wisconsin. Um, you know, first and foremost, he's just he's just a great kid. He's inquisitive. He he wants to learn. He asks the right questions. Um, wants to get better and wants to become a hockey player, and he uh, he's he's certainly taken uh, some some just great strides this year. Um, you know, both I think on the ice, but you know, emerging as as a leader in the room too. So the the Edmonton uh, faithful should should feel good. They they they've got a good one in Dylan for sure. Brad, my 12 minutes are up. We appreciate you taking uh, time to join us. Good luck in the regionals, okay? Hey, thanks a lot. Good catching up. You bet. That is Brad Winchester, who uh, played 78 games for the Oilers over two seasons and picked up the octopus in Detroit as part of the little 
you know, the mind games that would take place uh, and is now a volunteer coach uh, for the Wisconsin Badgers on Tony Granato's staff. And again, when I hopped on their website, I could only see 17-18. But uh, interesting stuff nonetheless. And the Oilers, Dylan Holloway, uh, did not take a lot of uh, face-offs, by the way, in the uh, game against Minnesota, in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Wisconsin is the number one seed in their regional playdown. We'll take a timeout. It's 146 at Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Special thanks to Patrick Harlan from the uh, Edmonton Oilers and setting that up with Brad Winchester, who is our Oilers now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Uh, we will tell you that uh, some guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates to... Uh, Japanese Village. Thrilled to serve you again for dine-in and take-out orders. Uh, you can reach them at jvedmonton.ca. We are going to go to this day in Oilers history for New West travel for Dennis and Jason Laliberti, who did our Oilers Now trips for the last several years. Brendan, just before we get to this day in Oilers history, do you think we might get back to doing trips next year? What do you think the chances are of that? I mean... Uh, if we can get people vaccinated, I think roughly the province has got about, I believe we're over 430,000 people right now have uh, received a vaccination in the province of Alberta, which is about one-tenth of the population. There's over 100 million Americans that have been vaccinated. Um, I'm going to be intrigued to see where we're at, say, by the fall. Uh, and whether, because I think there's a lot of people out there that have been hurting. There's a lot of people out there that would like to start living again and uh, are feeling confined and limited in terms of what they can do. And a reminder every day at 3.30 on the 6.30 Chat Afternoons with Jalen Nye, uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw's press conference takes place. So uh, what do you think, Brendan? Do you think we'll be doing some Oilers Now road trips next year for New West travel? Yeah, maybe towards the end of the season, I think, is probably a safer bet. But you're yeah. right. Once once we get those vaccination numbers up, maybe things start opening up a little bit. Got to consider the border, too, right? I mean, it's awfully hard to, to I, think about that at this point. I, I, I had uh, three individuals, uh, one in the media, uh, two in hockey operations, reach out to me over the weekend and ask me uh, about uh, um, ask me about uh, what the situation was in Canada. You know, how many limitations was I going to put on Canadian teams? How that's going to affect Canadian business? Uh, one of them is from what we would consider a half province or half province, a half organization in terms of revenue sharing in the league. And uh, the other one was from a team that's uh, been receiving a substantial amount of assistance over the last several years. All right, this day in Oilers history, what do you got, Brendan? Back in 1985, the Oilers rally from a 3-1 third-period deficit to earn a 3-3 tie with the Maple Leafs at Northlands. Wayne Gretzky scores his 66th goal of the season. It was a shorthanded marker from Mark Messier and Paul Coffey. Uh, Grant Fear turned aside 31 of 34 shots in the decision. Now, I'm wondering, uh, no, that was not, it was the next year. Wendell Clark, because Wendell Clark was the number one pick in the 85 draft because Craig Simpson refused to go to Toronto. People forget that. Uh, it was either 85, 86 or 86, 87 that Wendell Clark came in, speaking of Mark Messier, came into uh, Edmonton and they had a couple head-on collisions and Messier was the last man standing. We had several people text in reference. Uh, by the way, uh, I'm getting... Uh, 
a hell yeah, we'll be doing some trips in the second half of the season. So there you go. Uh, that's that's uh, good to know. Did you? Uh, we did not get to this earlier on NHL Today because it hadn't come out yet. The Edmonton Oilers' Connor McDavid named the NHL's second star of the week. McDavid had four, four, and eight, and four contests to uh, share the league lead in scoring and lift the Oilers. Well, he's not sharing the league lead in scoring. He <laughs> he's leading the league by 10 points. Uh, anyhow, 4-4-8 uh, four, four and eight in four games over last week. He is the second star of the week. Uh, who ended up getting the first star week? I didn't even see it. Calais Yarncronk, of all people. Calais Yarncronk. Calais Yarncronk was the first star of the week? The guy's... The guy three three and yeah three. Did they win all? Did Nashville win all four of their games? No, that's it's the McDavid standard. That's where we're at right now. He has to. It's like in order for him to win the Hart Trophy, he's going to have to win the scoring race by twenty points. (laughs) I'm just kidding. There's no. We'll we'll wait and see. Uh, Yes, indeed, Messier. You can look it up, Mark Messier and Wendell Clark, and I love. You know what? Uh, quick, we can quickly do this while we have a second, Brendan. Again, people can jump in and text us at 780-496-0063 on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Favorite player on other teams. So I love Jerome Ginla for Calgary. Love the two Sedins for Vancouver. Uh, my favorite Maple Leafs player over the last 30-plus years, 35-plus years, I guess, if we're going to go back to the mid-1980s, has got to be uh, Wendell Clark. I don't have a favorite. Oh, Mike Mike Comrie would have been my favorite favorite Ottawa Senators player uh, when he was at Ottawa for the year. I'm trying to think of who my favorite Montreal Canadiens player over the last 30. Well, all time would be Gilles Fleur. But uh, and then Winnipeg Jets, I'll probably go with Timo Solani. Just because uh, I met him once, and he was an incredibly humble guy when I met him, just in a non-sports broadcaster-related thing years before that. (laughs) There used to be a place on 116th and Jasper called, uh, it was one of the Don Sherry's, and Timo showed up with Ty Domi. And I was at an adjoining table, and Teppo Numenum was with them, and Teppo was a really nice guy and started talking to a couple buddies of mine. And... Long story short, these guys had played major junior hockey. They were way better players than me. And uh, long story short, this individual comes over. This is the year that Solani is scoring the 96 or the 76 goals. Like he is an absolute phenom in the National Hockey League. And this fan was all over tight to me. And uh, uh, it was just priceless because... The fan was all over Ty, and Ty goes, well, this is the finished flash, and this is our other great Finn, Teppo Newman, but here's the finished flash, Timo Solani. And the guy just blew off the, the two fins and circled back to Ty Domi. And Newman and Solani just kind of shrugged their shoulders, and they're like, well, that's Ty Domi. I mean, Ty Domi's a bigger star than we are. That's just comes with the territory. I'm like, yeah, not really. Timo Solani was a – and when you – when I dealt with him years later in the media, he was one of those guys like a Fedorov, like a Shane Doan, like the Sedins that always, like Jerome Ginla, always gave you lots of time as well. The best pizza in the city is still making a great Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years for a menu and a list of 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer recommendation, Mediterranean chicken. Carrie Price against Mike Smith. We... We'll have the uh, face-off show at 3.30 today, 5 p.m. puck drop. We'll tell you tomorrow, Sportsnet spec, Mark Spector for horse racing in Alberta. 
Our province's horse racing and breeding industry has introduced new safety protocols with thorough vet checks, stricter rules, tougher penalties, employing Albertans caring for our horses. Horse Racing Alberta. Uh, we'll also have Al May, a former teammate of Specs and Bantam. Must have been a bad team if Speck was on it. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, along with an abbreviated version of 6.30 Chet Afternoons. With Jayla and I, I will rejoin you at 3.35. You've been warned. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.